Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Jason Louv as we talk about magic and all kinds of magic indeed. What are some of the famous individuals who have been interested in using magic, Jason, over the years? There have been literally hundreds. I'm constantly finding new ones, and it's people a lot more famous than you'd think. Uh, let's see. David Bowie is a, a, always comes to mind. John uh-huh. Lennon. Elvis Presley, very interested in it. Elvis, really? Absolutely. He was big into the occult. He was big into theosophy as well. He, he, he was very, very serious with it. Uh, let's see. Um, I have, you know, uh, let's see, both Clintons, Bill and Hillary, and also Donald Trump have been fascinated with it, surprisingly enough. Um, uh, so many, uh, many, many royals, uh, Queen Elizabeth, um, uh, and uh, so it's a, a lot of scientists, shockingly enough, Albert Einstein, fascinated with alchemy, Robert Oppenheimer, uh, and a lot of people even now, Elon Musk apparently has a, a great interest in um, meditation and chakras and things like that. So it's some of the people you would least expect are, you know, and, and a lot of people that have just shaped history. It's, it's, I'm constantly finding new ones. Has magic been misunderstood or misinterpreted by so many people? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's very, very rarely been back, you know, not misinterpreted, you know, magic of course calls up all of the, Hammer horror, you know all the all the the Hollywood stuff. Yes, and they do a good job with books. it too. Yeah, you know, and you know the reality is 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 much less romantic. You know, I think that what magic actually tends to look like is just somebody meditating for long periods of time, uh, and it's much closer to again what you would expect Tibetan monks monks to do, where you know they're meditating, but it's kind of colorful, and they have. Uh, you know, ritual items that are, are there to focus their minds into certain directions. But magic is always, um, you know, really up until the current time period, I would say, or at least until the 20th century, it was always seen as something to be afraid of. And a lot of people have speculated that the reason that magic got such a bad rap was because people wanted to keep it for themselves. Traditionally, it was held by um, nobility, the royal family, certainly in England, and the nobility in, in England, you know, has a long history with this stuff. Of course, going, you know, John Dee, who I wrote mm-hmm. about, big part of that. Um, and it, certainly in Western culture, if not others, it's kind of been this closely guarded thing of the elite. And for that reason, I suspect that there may have been a little bit of. Uh, you know, muddying the water or kind of some PR, some negative PR done to kind of scare people away from it. Because the reality is, is that it's tremendously, it is not only tremendously empowering for people, but it also tends to um, wake them up out of whatever control structures they're living in. And that's, of course, quite frightening to the powers that be, whatever the powers that be happen to be in any given period. So I would suspect that it's it's been given negative publicity for a reason, which is to keep people away from it. But since we now live in the age of the Internet, all of that has fallen by the wayside. And I think that magic now is phenomenally popular, particularly with – I mean, it really began to become popular in the 20s. It was extremely popular with the baby boomers in the 60s and now, and, and, and even more so, I think, with millennials. 
Sure. It skews much younger now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think that part of that is, you know, kids grew up with the craft or Harry Potter, things like this. So they have positive imprints on it instead of negative ones um, because of media. And also just because of the Internet, they have access to the information. They can, you know, for good and bad, there's a lot of misinformation out there. But, for instance, they can take my classes online or, um, you know, find, you know, books that couldn't be found easily before. And so we really live in a renaissance period for this stuff. A lot of people talk about, oh, the golden age of magic was, you know, thousands of years ago. Uh, I don't think so. I think now is the golden age of magic because we have all the information and, and we can look at them. We can look at this information with the skeptical eye of modern individuals and clearly see, okay, what's valid? What was superstition? What was exaggeration? You know, what are, for instance, the most core techniques of meditation that really work? And can we leave to the wayside the stuff that is clearly superstition? And I think that out of that, we're going to get something very exciting. If you consider that alchemy gave birth to chemistry and uh, astrology gave birth to astronomy, well, what is, the, what is ceremonial magic and yoga and the techniques of altering the brain? What kind of real science is that going to give way to in 50 years, 100 years? I think, you know, probably, the, you know, perhaps the keystone of it all. And, and Jason, when people practice magic, what are they tapping into in order to start accomplishing the things that are accomplished? What is out there? What is that? <laughs> well, it's what's out there and what's in there. And I, w- I would first of all say that what magic does is it taps into the deepest layers of yourself. It is a journey into self-realization, um, self-exploration. And it allows you to go deep into the unconscious layers of the mind and the core of yourself. I mean, people talk about enlightenment. Well, what is enlightenment? Enlightenment is discovering the fundamental um, uh, core of who you are, like the atom of the individual or, or, or beyond, perhaps. And so it's an inward journey. And But as we say in magic, as above, so below. Mm-hmm. At least perceptually for human beings, it appears that you know, inside and outside, at least for magic people, tend to be the same thing, and they tend to interact, and they tend to mirror each other, so that I can say absolutely that as one goes on the inward journey, and as one becomes more a more integrated and awakened human being, life gets a lot better, you know, because the universe responds to you um, in, a, in a much more positive way because you're, you're not conflicted. Most human beings are, are bundles of confliction. They're like tangles of cords. And magic untangles that, and so it allows, it, magic allows one to experience the free-flowing energy of existence, to put it simply. And life just gets magical, for lack of a better way of putting it. The more enlightened the one, uh, integ- the more integrated one becomes, life just gets better on its own. It's almost like the universe responds positively to it. And that is the core of what magic really is. It's not, you know, doing spells to get something. It's tapping into yourself so deeply that you're tapping into you know, the beneficial forces of the universe, let's say. It's, it's opening up the whole thing, the whole universe, like a flower, and allowing your life to blossom in, out of a, the, because you're tapping into the wellspring of truth, of existence, of yourself, of the universe, which is all the same thing. And, it, and it, you know, a lot of this comes without dogma. It comes without, you know, it just happens. There's no, you know, you're getting the experience instead of reading about it secondhand. If you read sacred texts, or if you go to 
um, uh, churches and things like this, you're getting it secondhand. People are telling you about an experience that somebody else had. Oh, so, you know, Moses has, saw the burning bush. Well, this is a this is a spiritual experience that somebody else had, and ma- magic gives you the tools to actually have the experience yourself. And when you have the experience yourself, you discover that actually there's really nothing supernatural about it. It's just fully living. It's fully, it's you know, fully maximizing the experience of human existence. It's fully becoming alive, and nothing could be better, I don't think, and, and, and that's why I'm so passionate about teaching it. Do you think magic enhances religion or detracts from it? Well, both. I mean, I think that religion is, basically, religion is people telling stories about people who did magic <laughs> and, and hoping to repeat their, their successes, but I think that in some ways, you know, I, I all of the religions of the world are profound and sacred and teach utterly true things about the human experience. And without a lot of times the moral scaffolding of of religion, magic uh, doesn't go, get so far. Um, on the other hand, magic uh, I, I often say it kind of shows you how the rabbit is pulled from the hat. You know, if you if you practice this stuff, you understand how these holy people had their experiences. And then you, you say, well, well, this is just a brain event. I'm, I'm just triggering something in my nervous system. Well, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> cool, right? And, and, and so it, 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 it takes the superstition out of it. And then after doing these practices, whether it's yoga or ritual or these various magical practices, you can then go back and read the Bible or the, you know, the Quran or the Tao Te Ching or, or any of these holy books, and you have a better, you have more respect and you have more of a sense of what they were talking about and it, the funny thing is also when, when supernatural language is used in those holy books, you understand exactly what they're talking about. So, for instance, if somebody's talking about, oh, you know, I transformed into a tiger or something like that, well, you can clearly see, oh, well, I understand what they're talking about. They're tapping into the, that animal state. You know, they're tapping into the animal stage of their consciousness in an altered state where they're, they're tapping into the genetic experience of being an animal, which is you can experience in deep meditation. So these things that seem exaggerated or fanciful, ironically, and that you know, purely atheistic or purely scientific people dismiss as fanciful claims, you can go back to and look at with magical experience and say it's, a, it's like a metaphor. They're, they're trying to describe a state of consciousness that they experienced. Um, and that, I think, in a way, revivifies religion and makes it totally profound and meaningful in a way that is uh, so much more relevant for modern people because modern people are not um, willing to believe things on faith so much anymore. Um, they want to have, they want to know what they want to know what's real for themselves, and and so magic in that way is perfect for that because it's like uh, applying almost a scientific or at least empirical set of methods for repeating, you know, all of these you know, Mm -hmm. all of these spiritual experiences that we read about and understanding what they actually are. What would you say, Jason, would be the best use of magic for an individual? Well, again, enlightenment, you know, it's, it's, um, and it's all for, as, as it's been put in the hermetic tradition, discovering your true will, you know, that's where you start your, your, your true purpose for life. So many people now, despite having infinite information and infinite opportunity and infinite power to do almost anything they want with their lives, 
um, literally. I mean, that has never been possible before in history. They, they, they're so lost, and they don't know what to do, and they squander their lives uh, pinballing from, from one thing to the next. So the first goal of magic is to unveil your true purpose, your true will, what you are truly here to do. And the funny thing is that you, you already know what that is, just that people have a funny way of distracting themselves from it and covering it up with all these you know, distractions and entertainment and things like that and drama and problems and all this stuff we like to fill our lives with. Uh, the true purpose, the true will, is where divinity meets humanity. And, and in the past, in our culture, we had a one-size-fits-all approach to, to spirituality, which is that if you just believe in the church or whatever it happens to be, then you're good. It's a one-size-fits-all. But reality is messy. You know, it's, it's, a, it's not one-size-fits-all. Everyone has a different role to play and a different path to, to live. And that is sacred and must be lived out, similar to the Hindu concept of dharma. We each have a, a role to play, and we can't shirk that just to go meditate in a cave. Spirituality for 99.9% of people is lived out in the world by fulfilling one's path, by fulfilling one's dharma and one's duties to society, um, at least until generally the age of retirement, when people are free to um, fully pursue spirituality full-time, which is a really beautiful thing. But that's the first goal of magic, is to tap into what the universe truly wants for you, what your true will is. It proceeds from there into, you know, you know, more full enlightenment stages. But that is a really active way to look at it, and I like looking at it that way because one thing I really want to emphasize is that this is not a path of being a monastic. It's not a path of mm -hmm. meditating in a cave. It's a path of being fully active in the world, and that's why... That's why it's magic and not, you know, monastic meditation or something like that, because it's about action in the world and, and living a good life. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.